Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. My name is Jenna Filipkowski. I'm the head of research here at HCI. I'm joined here today by Dr. Brian Lambert, Director of Consulting at Oxygen Learning. Welcome, Brian. Hello, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Glad you're here. And you just finished a webcast presentation with us last week entitled A Vision to Modernize the Learning Function in the 21st Century. I'm curious, why did you choose this topic and what led you to do this research with us? Because it was the biggest title I could find about the, <laughs> the biggest changes that need to be made. It's, it's a huge title, right? It's like, it sets this uh, expectation that we're going to change the world. And uh, the reason why I settled on that title and we've engaged in research is uh, the times that we're in. I, I know in learning development, we all know change is happening, that uh, people are evolving, that new skills need to be developed, and, you know, it's kind of same old, same old. But if we really take a moment and step back at the macro level view, we're in an interesting period of time in this age of, uh, you know, information that's moving into more of a conceptual age, more of a knowledge working age. We're coming out of the industrial age. I think people underestimate, you know, how long that really takes. Uh, most shifts in any era can take a cu- you know, couple of generations. So in today's world, it's all digital. It's always on. It's on demand. Uh, but yet a lot of uh, what we see and what I see personally, in my view, as learning and development methods or adult learning uh, approaches are still somewhat rooted in this industrial age thinking of a job gets broken down into tasks and those tasks need to be trained and equipped and that People are working on some sort of, uh, you know, assembly line of an org chart, and uh, they got to do their job. And uh, if they just did their job, uh, they would be great and successful. I think we've introduced some new language to that. But as a profession, it would be interesting to think about what would it look like to modernize our function, much like other functions have, like IT or even marketing and sales and finance, who have gone through almost tectonic or cataclysmic changes in the last 50 years. And what would that look like? And I guess also related to this, you mean in the title and also in our research title, we have the word modern and modernizing the learning function. Can you, what does that mean? So modern is, to me, um, this idea that learning has become always on and always on demand. And learning is ubiquitous. It always happens. I think uh, we have underestimated the, uh, the influence of the Internet uh, in some ways, uh, we've also not necessarily spent the time to understand how the uh, the millennial generation consumes knowledge. But if you think about uh, the needs that we have as adults in today's complex work environment, uh, there's there's a need to always have learning around you and, and always be learning in a way, whether it's through a, a knowledge management article like a PDF, the blogging that's out there. Uh, through the internet, or even just uh, a quick video on YouTube about how to reprogram your garage door opener, you know, these are things that need to be there when we need them. And I think we're a lot more in tune with a just-in-time learning uh, need uh, as, as a modern function uh, than, than the more successful we're going to be. And that's what modern means to me, is understanding what people need to know in their role, uh, in their specific uh Uh, interrelationships with others and what they need to be uh, doing and what they need to know to be successful and then providing what I would call like a learning fabric around them that allows them to interact with a variety of different things uh, in the way that's best suited for them to get what they need when they need it and uh, you know that that requires a lot of uh, architecture 
as learning and development professionals where we have to somehow build something that's always there without the, the person knowing that we've done it. In fact, I would even say that it would be great if they didn't even know that the, where the learning came from. It didn't necessarily come from the L&D department. It's just helpful to them. You know, what would that look like? Well, it's like that seamless learning environment um, that is needed. Um, so obviously L&D needs to change, and I would assume that L&D practitioners also need to change and evolve with that. And in your webcast, you mentioned they need to develop a consulting skill set. Can you describe what that means and what those skills are? What are the behaviors? And how do we elevate the skill set of L&D professionals to get there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, I'm a big proponent of uh, L&D. I've, I've got an L&D background. Uh, I've served in a lot of different L&D executive roles and uh, worked in the trenches to build learning. Uh, I, I've, I've studied um, uh, the, from an academic perspective. I have a master's HR degree. At the same time, I've also been on the sales side in the sales organization, and I've sold before, and I've sold technology, and I've sold you know consulting and services, which are highly intangible. Um, when we look at uh, the intersection of that, um, I think I can provide a little bit of perspective on, on both sides of the aisle. On one hand, I see the L&D profession as being very hardwired, and there's a lot of jargon and a lot of uh, expectations uh, uh, in the L&D function about how to engage with L&D professionals. And they have to, you know, uh, as a business person, you almost have to understand the L&D speak to be able to relate. On the other hand, uh, on the sales side, when the um, time comes to, to talk about a solution, uh, the sales team cannot necessarily articulate what they actually uh, need to be successful, and they tend to boil it down to these topics. So on one hand, you have not a lot of clarity, uh, not a lot of uh, understanding of uh, adult learning, uh, but yet an, an idea of what needs to be taught. And then on, on, on the other side, on the L&D side, you have a lot of hard wiring where it's uh, some, somewhat hard to figure out exactly what's happening, but there's a process that's followed and it's kind of, uh, you know, wrote and applied and you, you got to understand Kirkpatrick and you've got to understand Addy to understand how L&D is going to help you. Uh, when you look at that, the L&D professional kind of sits in the middle there and they need to, need to think about the methods they're employing to engage their customers, their internal customers, and then drive business outcomes. And uh, that requires a, a different skill set. It requires business acumen. It, under, it requires a, a lot of structures um, to design and, and architect always on learning in this learning fabric that I was talking about and be able to make that uh, relatable to people in sales and in business and almost relieve the burden from them to figure out what, what actually needs to be happening and do that in a proactive way. That skill set there is consulting, it's business acumen, it's uh, executive conversations, it's uh, strategic problem solving, it's also project and program management. Um, and I think that the ability to structure a solution into you know, specific steps and gates without just saying, here's my seven-step process I'm going to follow. Uh, and then also be able to, to, to comfortably sit at this intersection between the business strategy and the actual tactical execution of training uh, is an important skill set that many uh, L&D people, I think, struggle to, to have. And uh, it goes way beyond just being book smart, if you will, about um, learning methods uh, and even being a, a geek on, uh, you know, brain science. It goes to, you know, who are our customers and what do they really need from us and how do we, quote, unquote, sell our value. And I think those are important things to think about in today's more modern era. 
So you mentioned business acumen, consulting skills, executive presence. Um, how do we get L&D professionals there if they're not there already? Is that training? Is that a personality thing? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, that's a million-dollar question. I, I can tell you where I've landed. I mean, I've looked at a lot of certificate programs. I've looked at a lot of training courses for L&D folks. I've looked at a lot of uh, uh, skills-based programs. Uh, I work with a lot of clients. Um, and, and I ask if they have an L&D competency model. They don't even have a competency model for their L&D team. They don't do onboarding for their L&D team. Uh, they don't necessarily do ongoing certification for their L&D team. You know, I, I think one of the areas to start is to think about all of these things that we would recommend. How do we do actually do them on ourselves? <laughs> and uh, what would that actually look like? You know, how would we define our roles as, uh, you know, value contributors in an organization? How would we certify ourselves to be relevant to the business? And, and uh, you know, how would we build the skills that we need that, that people would, would value in the business? And then how do we onboard ourselves and, and uh, certify ourselves? And I think um, that's an interesting discussion because if I took those training courses, certifications, programs, and I ran them by a sales leader, would they point at those things and say, that's great, that's absolutely what I need from my, my, my L&D professional, or would they, would they look for something else? I think this is the uh, the introspection that we need to have, and actually, more importantly, the the customer empathy that we need to gain. And uh, the way to do that is to put yourself out there. I think we start with small initiatives. We go out and we say, "Listen, I want to I want to have a, a discussion on a whiteboard with you. I want to understand what uh, behaviors we need to build. Let me come back to you with some solutions and give you some options, and let's build this together uh, with your subject matter experts over time." And I, I have a piece of the puzzle, but I don't know all the answer. And I think that's the first thing that I would recommend for L&D professionals is you don't have to know the whole answer. And I think sometimes we come in with, here's your answer, or I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do my needs analysis, and I'll come back to you in three months with the full solution. That's not how salespeople sell today. That's not how products get developed. That's not how IT works anymore. Finance organizations are even more consultative than that. So I think that's where I would recommend is, get more collaborative, put yourself out there, be more vulnerable, admit when you don't know, uh, to try to try to bring multiple perspectives together and do more working sessions with your uh, end user customers. I love that. And along with the consulting skill set, you say that L&D should function like a business inside a business. Can you explain more about that? Yeah, this came from the, the uh, webinar. And what we um, have been exploring is, uh, this evolution. I, I live, I live, and I've built my my uh, point of view around this idea of the from what to what journey. And uh, if you think about it, uh, businesses have gone from something to something else. Industries have moved from something to something else. Um, individuals inside of companies are moving from a certain set of behaviors to another set of behaviors. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in there. My PhD was around that, et cetera. What, what, I, what I've been exploring in the last three, four years is this idea of the organization itself, the learning organization uh, in this case. How does it move from a siloed individual learning function on an island to an enablement function that's able to drive cross-functional uh, activities to provide better um, you know, impact to the business? And that, that, that led to a fundamental question of what are we producing in one versus what are we producing in the other? In other words, in the from what state, in the old way, we would produce a lot of outputs, a lot of deliverables, a lot of content. Well, what's the, what's the to what journey of that? What's the 
what's the evolution of producing content and producing output? Uh, to me, it's this idea of providing a service. And uh, this, this is uh, something that we've explored in a, a group that I'm involved in. It's the Sales Enablement Society. Um, actually worked on it when I was at Forrester Research with uh, the research director there, uh, Scott Santucci. And we were exploring this idea of taking a, a journey with a, a function, what would that look like, and how do you build an enablement function, and what are they really selling internally, you know, using air quotes. And uh, what they're selling is a service. Uh, and if you think about the service you're selling as an L&D professional internally, uh, that's an intangible thing. So you've got to think more about, you know, how do we, con how do we uh, gather inputs? How do we uh, consume resources? Who are our investors? How do we sell and market what our services are? And uh, much like a, a, I use the analogy of a lemonade stand, if our, if our business is uh, L&D Services, Inc., uh, our lemonade stand is, you know, we've got to, have raw materials that's, that's an information and knowledge how do we convert that into something that we can sell and that people want to drink and uh, what are we going to charge for that and what if we were able to charge for our services we were going to provide uh, what kind of branding and marketing would we need to do in, in this uh, way of providing services how do we provide outputs that are always uh, valuable and meaningful and drive costs out of the function at the same time these are business uh, terms and, and it would be interesting to apply those to the L&D function and that's actually what the research about with you guys, Jenna, is to explore that. What would that, what would that concept even look like? Is that even possible uh, in the L&D space? I'm definitely excited about our research project. And as we close this podcast, I have one last question, a practical question. What advice can you give L&D professionals who are wanting to move down this path of modernizing their L&D function? Yeah, I think um, this has been, I, I can only really speak from my experience and and uh, you know how difficult it is, and we've we've been able to to drive a lot of wins. Um, just this this week, actually, um, we're involved in a company that's going through a merger, and, and we're we're actually uh, strategically placed with our with the VP of L and D uh, on a three year roadmap uh, to transform the function, uh, and it's a three year journey that we're embarking on. And he's got this the, you know in a Fortune 75 company. Uh, COO support to transform the function over time to modernize it. The reason why is to build better partnerships and, and produce great content, absolutely, but more importantly, it's to impact the bottom line. And when you think about what that would look like um, on, a, on, a, on an organizational level, the pivot from what to what an organization, I think where we start as individuals is think about our own individual pivot. I think if we um, take a hard look at what we're providing the positions that we're in, how people treat us internally, how we engage the business, what we're, impact we're actually driving, not what we think we're driving, but what, what we can prove, uh, it might require some introspection and, and we might have to have an individual pivot. And that's what I had to go through. I went through a two-year period where I, where I suddenly realized that all of the, the methods, approaches, and tools and techniques that I was, was taught and that I had used needed to give way to a more business-centric approach where I still needed to understand how to, to drive adult learning uh, behavior and, and drive behavior change, but I didn't necessarily have to lead with methods and approaches that were grew, you know, grown up in the 1950s and rooted in the 50s. How could I just work to solve the problem and drive the outcome? And uh, that was a really hard thing to do. And I think that's where we should start is with ourselves to, uh, to think through uh, how, how do we become more business-centric and outcome-minded what techniques do we need to develop? 
what type of frameworks and tools are required. Uh, maybe we need to create some new stuff that isn't even created yet. Uh, can we do that? Do we have a point of view we can defend in a room full of executives? You know, that's a hard one because you can't just say, well, Bloom's taxonomy says and Kirkpatrick says. Uh, you got, they want to know what Brian says, what Janet says, and why, because they're going to put their trust in you. And uh, that's, a, that's a big shift for a lot of L&D folks, and that's where I encourage people to go is, is to explore that and become a thought leader uh, in their own right. I love that. It's almost like confidence building for L&D professionals, like leading with your own voice and your own point of view like you've always done in your, in your role. So thank you so much, Brian, for a great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, this time. And I always enjoy talking to you, Jenna. Of course. I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in and encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoy what you heard. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel, HCI Talent. Lastly, one more big thank you to Brian for enlightening our listeners. And if you're interested in learning more about what we discussed on today's episode, you can find more resources on hci.org. For Dying to Thrive HR and all of HCI, thank you for listening.